Spring into reading this season with the Biblio Lifestyle 2024 Spring Reading Guide. In this season's guide, I've handpicked 21 of the best new books and I've organized them across six categories. So whether you're looking for a romance novel that will give you a happily ever after, a thrilling mystery to keep you guessing, or an immersive historical fiction book, this guide has a book or three or seven just for you. Now, if 21 books sounds like too much for you, there's a minimalist reads list in the guide, which includes a list of six must-read books from across genres. But wait, that's not all. The spring reading guide also includes fun recipes, spring activities and lifestyle tips. So head on over to springreadingguide.com and download your copy of the guide. That's springreadingguide.com and download your free copy of the 2024 spring reading guide. So download your free copy and discover your next favorite book. Happy reading! Hello, I'm Victoria from Biblio Lifestyle, and you're listening to the Reader's Couch podcast, the show that will help you bridge the gap between living a full and busy life to one where you're reading, learning new things and having fun. In today's episode, I'm so excited to chat with author Raquel Vasquez Gilliland to talk about her paranormal romance, Witch of Wild Things. In Witch of Wild Things, we meet the Flores family, a family who was cursed years ago, and as a result, every woman born into the family has a touch of magic. More specifically, we meet sisters Teal, Skye, and Sage. Sage is our main character, and she leaves home when her sister Skye dies in an accident, but eight years later, she returns home. Also returning to their hometown is Tennessee, Sage's first love who broke her heart. But even though Tennessee is back in town and they're working together, she's not interested in a romance. So she keeps her distance. But her chemistry with Tennessee is hard to ignore. Readers, this was a fun, magical, witchy romance with a strong familial storyline that I absolutely loved. Plus all the nods to ecology, plants and nature, again with a dash of magic, really made this book special. So in this episode, Raquel and I talk about her new book. She shares the next book she's working on, which revolves around another sister from Witch of Wild Things. Plus, we get some book recommendations and lots more. But before I get into the episode, pretty please leave the podcast a five-star rating and write me a review if you love the show. Believe me, it really helps and it keeps me and the show going. So thanks in advance. And now let's get into the episode with author Raquel Vasquez Gilliland. Hi readers, welcome again to The Reader's Couch. I'm your host, Victoria Wood, and today I'm super excited to welcome on the couch Raquel Vasquez Gilliland to talk about her new book, Witch of Wild Things. Raquel, welcome to The Reader's Couch. Hello, I'm so happy to be here. 
I love talking about book things with bookish people. So this is one of my favorite things to do. Yay. I'm so excited about it. I really enjoyed your book. It was so much fun. But I want to know how you're feeling about this new one, Witch of Wild Things. How are you feeling? It's been out for some time now. I know you've been seeing what readers are saying. Uh, how has this book's release been? What does it feel like? Um, well, this is my third work of fiction to come out. And and so a lot of it is similar to the last two books. Um as far as release, uh, I was really, really nervous and anxious with the first one. But by the time this one's, you know, which of all things came out, I was like, okay, this is, this is going to be fun. You know, I had a great launch at a local community center and we had this amazing charcuterie spread that was uh, funded by my publisher. I ate so much cheese. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, the feedback has been, for the most part, really awesome. <laughs> I actually just got two fan mails, emails this week. And that's kind of new. I, uh, with my previous books, I hadn't gotten so many people reaching out. Um, a few here and there, yes, but not this many. So I feel like it's really touching people, which makes me so happy. And um, yeah, I think I think that's pretty much summarizes how this launch is going. I'm, I'm having fun with it. I love that. Uh, I really love hearing that. This one is really a treat. But even though it's your third book, it's your first adult novel. Am I right? Yeah, it's my first adult. So I want readers to hear it straight from you. Tell us about The Witch of Wild Things. What's your elevator pitch? What can readers expect when they pick up a copy? Okay, the elevator pitch is a Latinx practical magic. And th that's basically the vibes of the book. And that's actually what I posted on Twitter two years ago, which caught the eye of the editor who bought the book. So that's been a very successful pitch. As far as the, the summary, um, basically we start the book by following Sage, who is our protagonist. As she returns back home to Cranberry, Virginia, She's out of money. She doesn't have a job. She needs a place to stay. And she really, really doesn't want to stay in Cranberry with her aunt, but she has to. And so she, you know, she's coming back home. She's facing all of the conflict and trauma that she left behind involving her family. And in addition to all that, to kind of rub salt into her wounds, she's paired up with Tennessee Reyes who is her love interest. He is the man who broke her heart all the way back in high school. And she's, she's still hurt by that. And he doesn't know it. And so they, they have to work in close proximity. And um, her heart is still broken. And she's also incredibly attracted to him still. So shenanigans ensue. And oh, this is a big part of the book. Each uh, Flora sister, so it's Sage, and then Teal, and then Sky, Flores. Each florist uh, sister or even women in the family are born with a gift. And Sage's gift is plant communication and connection. So that's that's a super big theme in the book. I didn't want to neglect that. Yes, absolutely. So let's get into the Flores family, because like you said, there's something that happened and this family has been cursed and magic has been passed down through the generations for 
all the women in the family. And yes, Sage is our main character, but Sage has two sisters, Teal and Sky. You just shared Sage's gift, her magical power. Tell us about Teal and Sky and the other Flores women in the book. Okay, uh, Teal. Teal's power is um, she's connected to the weather through her emotional state. Uh, she, technically, she should be able to control the weather, but something has happened in her past that's not revealed in this book, but will be revealed in her book that has made it impossible for her to control her gift. So she has this really big problem of, of having a bad temper. And then every time she loses her temper, a thunderstorm breaks open and lightning starts you know, striking everywhere. And um, yeah, and then Sky, uh, who appears as a ghost in this book, um, she appears when Sage cries. Sky's gift is animal communication and kinship. Um, she has, I cannot fathom this because if it were me, I would be just so scared, but she has no fear with the animals. She will hang out with bears and eagles and any, any creature. She just loves them and will hang out with them. Um, Sage and her sisters have a great aunt, Nadia, whose gift is knowing things. So she's basically your kind of general Snoopy psychic. And then um, they have a grandmother, Sonia, whose gift is ghost communication. And she can see ghosts, talk with them, etc. Um so I think that summarizes really who you spend time in the book with. Yes, absolutely. So let's get into the sister dynamic, because after Sky passes away, Sage leaves home. So let's talk about Sage leaving home and what it was like for her to return back to the family, to her community, and to essentially start over. Um, well, she, like I said in the beginning, she's really reluctant to return home. And I think this is true of all my favorite novels is that the protagonist is really reluctant to heal. And that's kind of the point of their story is healing because healing can be really painful. It is for Sage in the book, for sure. She makes a lot of mistakes and, um, it results in a lot of pain and, I just, I relate to that so much. I feel like I would not almost, not anything, but I feel like I would do almost anything to avoid pain. I will eat lots of chocolate. I will go shopping rather than, you know, sit down and do the work of therapy. The first thing I want to do is try to smother that pain. And I think anyone who has the impulse can relate to Sage because she's just trying so hard to get away from the pain, but sometimes you have to face it in order to heal it. And I, that's kind of a summarized in the book by Sky, you know, that a seed has to break in order to sprout. So that that's something um, that felt like it spoke to the theme of the book. Um, when I wrote that, I was like, OK, that's important. Um, so, yeah, I think that summarizes what it was like for Sage to return home. Very scary for her. Yes, very scary indeed. And it doesn't help that Tennessee has also moved back to town. And Sage is not so sure she's ready to put herself out there and risk her heart again. So Sage is also having to deal with the dynamic with Tennessee. So tell us about Tennessee, who this character is, and just everything that was going on with their pen pal relationship to present day. Basically, like you said, Ten was a uh... AOL Instant Messenger pen pal. 
she had a massive crush on him and sought him out specifically to try and bond with him. And they became really good friends and both developed feelings for one another. Um, he's, he goes through some things in high school that she's there for him throughout. And then, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but something very difficult happens that kind of breaks up the relationship. So when they get back together, you know, Sage is the only one who knows that he broke her heart. He's not even sure who this AOL girl was. And it's, it's a big part of his arc to try to find her. And so, um, he's this incredibly, uh, kind and cinnamon rolly, uh, Dominican man who is just, you know, I, when I first wrote this book, I wanted that it to be an enemies to lovers dynamic, but every time I wrote Tennessee's scenes, he would just be so sweet and patient with her. And I'm like, this can't, this just isn't happening. He has to be the, the cinnamon roll. So yeah, he was just a lot of fun to write. He wants to take care of her and feed her and, and help her. And she doesn't know what to do with that because that's kind of the first time anyone's done that for her, romantically speaking. Yes, absolutely. I love the dynamic between these two. And I'm excited for more readers to just, you know, give this book a go and just see how things kind of unfold. You get that romance, which is just absolutely great. But then also you have the familial side of it, the, the family relationships and them being broken and just, you know, trying to come back together. I really enjoyed Witch of Wild Things, but I'm curious, are you working on any other adult novels? Yes, I'm in the middle of revisions for Teal's book, um, which is called Lightning in Her Hands, and it will be published next year. That's basically it right now. I can only do one thing at a time. Okay. <laughs> is there anything about it that you can share with us about Teal and that story? Well, yeah. So this is Teal's love story with Carter Velasquez, who we meet in Sage's book. And it's the trope is a fake marriage, which I just think is so fun. And basically, we follow... Teal's emotional journey in, in the romance, as well as in looking for her mother, who is completely absent in Sage's book. So she hires a private investigator to find her mom because she, she needs to find her mom uh, for a very big reason. I don't want to spoil um, some, some things about Teal that are very different from Sage was that Sage is more of an internalizer and suppresses her feelings um teal's like the opposite she kind of explodes with her rage and joy and other emotions um sage was a lot more um cautious with sex with intimacy uh and you know understandably so because she had experienced trauma teal is a lot more open so this book is a lot spicier which is always fun um she's just more open sexually and uh, yeah, that's, there's a lot of weather. <laughs> that's her gift is weather control or not. So. <laughs> yes, for sure. And now I'm even more curious. Are you planning a series around the Flores family? Is, is that what's happening here? Yes, this is a series. I hope to start on Sky's book soon. Mm -hmm. um, that, that book I haven't even started. It's just an idea in my head of what, what she's going to be going through. So. 
Oh my gosh, I love this. So readers, listeners, if you read Witch of Wild Things, you have something else to look forward to, lightning in our hands, and then we just might get a book on Sky as well. This is really exciting, so I'm glad to hear it. Uh, But looking back now at your writing journey thus far, you have young adult novels. So for listeners who are not familiar, Sia Martinez and The Moonlit Beginning of Everything. And then also a personal favorite of mine, How Moon Fuentes Fell in Love with the Universe. That one was really good. I really enjoyed that one. To now your adult novel, Witch of Wild Things, you have lightning in our hands. Hopefully we'll get Sky's story too. If you could look back and tell your younger writing self anything, what would you tell her? Uh, a writing career felt very difficult and far away for me when I was younger for a lot of reasons. I was like the first in my family to graduate high school, to go to college, to get degrees. And it felt like I had to try really hard to focus on something sensible. But then um, I had a big loss and I realized that I should just try to do what I want. And I ended up going to get my MFA in poetry from the University of Alaska Anchorage. And I just feel like the journey itself has been amazing. I just wish I could go back and tell myself to stop being so scared. Like, I was absolutely frightened of taking the leap of putting all this time into writing really, you know, in the beginning, really horrible books and, and then feeling so crushed by rejections. And I just wish I could go back and and just be like, Hey, you know, just relax, you know, (laughs) enjoy it. Like, like enjoy the process because everything you want is coming to you. So that's, that is what I would say to myself. Yes. Relax and enjoy the process. I couldn't agree with you more. So I want to get into your reading life because we love hearing what all authors are reading. So if you don't mind, share with our listeners the last book or books that you finished reading that you'd now recommend. Um, okay. The last book that I read, I'm going to forget the author's name, but it's uh, The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying a Vampire. And this, this one is good to read if you're in a reading slump, because that's what I was in when I picked it up. I don't normally go for horror, but I was kind of desperate. And so I started reading this book and I could not put it down. It was so well written. It was so creepy. Um, basically, the, the premise of the story is it's set in the 90s and these housewives decide to start a book club and then a very bad vampire moves into the neighborhood and they have to figure out how to get rid of him because he seems um, impossibly powerful. So um, incredible and feminist and like I said, incredibly creepy. That said, there is, you know, just for content warning, there is a um, off-page rape, which caught me off guard. I wish I had been prepared for it, but it was off-page, so I was okay. I was okay reading it. But I just wanted to put that out there in case, you know, someone else needed to know that. Absolutely. And I highly recommend listeners... For content warnings, check the Storygraph. They do a really good job at sharing content warnings. So you can just push, put the title in and it will let you know. It's reader sourced. So readers share all these content warnings and they're pretty good at it. So that's helpful. What would you say was your favorite childhood book that you can remember? 
I love The House on Mango Street by Sandra Cisneros. It was the first book I ever read that had Mexican-American characters in it. I loved the vignettes because it's written in vignettes. And Sandra Cisneros is a poet. And so a lot of those chapters read like prose poetry. Mm -hmm. Super influential for me when I wrote my first young adult novel. I also love the never-ending story. Um, I loved the fantasy aspect and world building of it. I've, I've read that one. I read both of those a lot back then. Oh, awesome. I love hearing that. So what books are you looking forward now to reading in the year ahead? Oh, um, I have a to, to read pile that's incredibly long that I really just, I need to, I'm trying to focus on finishing that. So I'm going to blink on a couple authors, so apologies in advance. I'm reading a book on sexual health and sexual science called Come As You Are. And it's by, I want to say Emily Nagowski. Uh, she has a sister who also writes books, so sometimes I get them mixed up. And that book is just so informative on especially women's sexual health and sexual life. And it's written in a, I don't know, just a really accessible way. She uses metaphor a lot for the science, which is amazing for me because my brain works best with pictures. And um, it's been super informative at helping me to dismantle the myths I grew up learning about sex. And um, I'm reading Autism in Heels by Jennifer Cook O'Toole. Uh, this one is just, I felt I felt like somebody was writing my own life uh, as an autistic woman who has highly masked my whole life, masked my traits. And yeah, I think those are the two main ones I'm trying to, trying to finish. I'm also reading The Altar Within by Juliet Diaz, which is um, focused on decolonizing spirituality. I, she just makes so many amazing, amazing points in it. And I'm only like a third of the way through, so I'm enjoying it. Oh, I love that. Amazing. Okay. So in addition to loving books and our authors, we also love indie bookstores. So share with our listeners your favorite local or just even an indie that you discovered on your travels or just who was incredibly supportive. Yeah. My local bookstore is Atlas Books, um, Johnson City, Tennessee. They started, when I first moved here, they had started as a pop-up organization where they kind of show up and uh, sell books at different places. And now they have an um, in-store presence downtown. And, you know, I not only work closely with them with my books, but I also um, went to them when I wanted to start a writer's group in town. And so now, you know, once a month we meet for that. And from the writer's group, now I host a romance book club every other month. <laughs> so it's be- become a really beautiful community. Oh, that's awesome. I love it. Indie bookstores are just amazing cornerstones in our community. And we tend to find found family, community and support and great books. So they serve so many purposes. Okay, getting back to your book, Witch of Wild Things, what are you hoping readers might think or feel or just take away after they've read Witch of Wild Things? Oh, one of the things I really wanted people to take away was reading incredibly flawed protagonists 
who makes a lot of mistakes. Um, I wanted people to read about her uh, kind of uh, in a lot of ways, messing up in every way conceivable and then figuring out as I mean, just putting all her effort into making things right and earning her happy ending. I wanted that to be satisfying for readers who maybe have a difficult time with self-forgiveness because I think we can often we often project our own um our own difficulties with our own selves onto fictional characters. So I was hoping, you know, I know it's kind of a tall order, but I was hoping people would read about Sage and and feel uh, just really satisfied at how she earned her forgiveness and um, and kind of allowing imperfect and flawed female protagonists to exist <laughs> as well. Yes, we need those perfectly imperfect, flawed protagonists to exist. I couldn't agree with you more. Raquel, thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking with me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. I love, like I said, talking about books. So this was an awesome way to spend my afternoon. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Reader's Couch podcast. Please subscribe to the show, share it with a friend, and take a few seconds to leave a rating and review. Until next time, stay lounging, stay reading, and whenever you're in doubt, go straight to your local bookstore or library. Thanks again for listening, and happy reading.